Welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. You got the NIA boys again. This is only Trung today in Bilal. We've got Jack. Hopefully, might join later, but uh, unfortunately, he's tied up at an appointment that he can't get out of. So we're all uh, frazzled might... right now. People, you guys can't tell, but the entire NIA crew's frazzled. Bilal is flying out in like an hour and a half right after this episode. I just got back from Barcelona literally less than 12 hours ago. And I mean, you guys will laugh. Uh, uh, we got jacked on the last day in Barcelona. <laughs> we will well, laugh. Listen, I'll tell you why you will laugh though. So the first reason you'll laugh is it was a type of jacking where your passports weren't taken. Nobody was hurt, right? It was like, it was a pickpocket jacking. It doesn't make it okay, but like things could be way worse. And here's where you guys will laugh. I know for a fact that these pickpockets in Barcelona saw Trunk fan, his wife, and a four-year-old pushing around the stroller. And they're like, these are marks right here. These mainland Chinese-looking people probably have expensive stuff, and they're distracted by the kid. I'm serious, right? Were you, if were you you're rocking a like a... Were you rocking the... No, uh, I had the merch. The, so I the had merch, the first. Okay. okay, but my wife, she had like the, the arm bag, and then we had the stroller and the kid. So like... If you're a pickpocket, you're like, who is going to be the most distracted people? The, the parents, right? Yeah, it's like completely. My kid's running around like a madman and like they're just looking for openings. I guarantee you that uh, if you had like a, uh, a, a, a checkbox for easiest marks, it would be smaller looking Asian dudes like me that probably aren't going to beat you up. <laughs> Don't underdo under yourself, mate. Well, listen, I... I've been known to throw some bows back in the day, but I'm just saying, objectively, <laughs> <guy> now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a peaceful guy, but if you're a pickpocket, I'm just putting myself in their shoes. They're looking That's around. It. They see me with the stroller. They see the kid running around. They're like, this guy's a mark. But I had the merce. I had the merce. My wife had the, the arm bag and she gave it to me. You said, anyway. You're calling it a merce, but is this the, the thing that wraps around? Like you saw me. Well, I know. It the... was all it was is a fanny pack that I put on my chest. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. Hype beast there. Yeah. But so <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not telling this story. People like, oh, Trump got uh, jacked. I feel so bad for him. I just think it's funny. But Blau, Barcelona, as you will know, is the pickpock capital of the world. I think you're mentioning something. I was saying that my, I mean, uh, they weren't mine, but my parents, something happened to them there as well, where someone pushed one and then in that chaos you're like oh what the hell is happening and in that time they pickpocket you on a train on a train and That's they run off so the train savage. yeah so and we were just saying how fun barcelona is such a beautiful place and like there's so much fun stuff to do and that sort of stuff obviously kind of ruins the trip if it happens barcelona you know? was sick it was unbelievable so wait how was your whole trip i know we're going to talk a little bit later about michelin so we're going to actually let's tell people what we're going to talk yeah. about because people have been watching the minions dudes on the internet right this super viral moment we're going to break it down people turning up to movie theaters wearing suits and why the minions movie has been a blockbuster hit because of tiktok and youtube and others we're going to break that down um also after trung's just been rolling out in europe for the last few weeks we're going to talk about how the michelin guide makes money um because yeah that's that's a really Trump hit his first michelin restaurant ever exactly we want to hear the review and yeah, you, you guys will appreciate it because uh i went on this trip i only brought one pair of shoes so uh, it's a pair of flip-flops <laughs> so your boy rolled up into a, a fancy michelin star restaurant wearing board shorts and flip-flops <laughs> <laughs> wait wait that's hilarious no wait did they did they make you change or anything yo 
They ain't making me change, man. We put Bro, a this fat deposit down. They're letting us <laughs> in that restaurant. Man, true story. In New York one time, if anyone's lived in New York or been to New York, there's like a daytime party called MoMA PS1. Have you, have you heard of this? I it's kind of like, so it's like, a, for people who don't know, it's kind of like the MoMA, you know, museum, art museum. They've got another place in uh, Queens somewhere, like Long Island City, and they turn it into this big daytime party, essentially. So I'd been there all day. I was there when I was like 25 years old. And my friend and I somehow decided to go to this place called Janoon, I think, which I think is a Michelin star Indian restaurant after <laughs> being out all day, which was quite ridiculous because you're not going to really appreciate it. But long story short, I turned up wearing shorts because I've been out in 85 degree weather and they were like, you can't wear that. And so I had to go downstairs and I just leaned in and I, I borrowed waiters trousers. <laughs> Wait, and I, a waiter the, gave you a pants? No, they took me downstairs and they had a bunch of like, oh, 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 like okay. cleans, amazing. You know, from the laundry and okay. they're like, hey, just take one of these. And I was like, That's amazing. this is so stupid, but okay, I'm going to do it just for the... So we're going to talk stuff. about the whole mystique about Michelin. And exactly. Like, it's a, I mean, it's a fascinating brand and everything. It's a, but- it's a great, and I think we'll break down like other examples potentially of like, you know, why, you know, why that even exists in the first place. And then let's see if we get time, we'll talk about... C5 versus DeFi and how they've fed in the recent crash. I can tell you um, right now, my gut's telling me based on how much banter we got going. <laughs> I don't think we're hitting that, but. All right, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. All right. So let's kick. Should we kick off with. Yeah, the meme um, of the week. The meme of the week. That's on you, Trung. You got Yeah, this. so let's. Uh, so for a lot of the listeners here, uh, what I want to prep you with and viewers <laughs> is. Uh, so Bilal's talking about the minion stuff. This is blown up all over the internet. So if you're not very online, uh, what's happening basically? But I was going to talk about more, but I just wanted to show this clip. There's this viral TikTok of teenage dudes rolling up in like 12, 13, 14, 15, 20 people deep. They're all wearing suits to go watch the new Minions movie, The Rise of Gru. And like, here it is. How hilarious is this? It's incredible. Wait, wait, <laughs> the <Yeah>. handshake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for oh, the wait, listeners, so there's literally like 20 guys rolling up at escalators, all wearing suits, going to watch uh, the Minions. So here's the meme. This is the meme that came out. It's uh, <laughs> Here's the meme of the week. It's from Isaac Feldberg. It's a photo of uh, the succession crew. So the Logan Roy and his family all wearing suits. And it just says uh, uh, they roll up to like the counter being like, oh, seven for the rise of Gru. Uh, that's the joke. <laughs> They're making fun of how uh, uh, Minions took over the internet. But we're going to talk about that later. Oh, we're talking about right now, actually. Let's right? let's yeah. just kick off with that because I think it's yeah. actually perfect NI territory. We all we often talk about edge of the internet stuff, obviously media business. This is all of that wrapped in one. Yeah. Um, so let's give your boy a shout out, Tommy Clark on Twitter. Um, what is his handle? Is T Clark Media? Yeah, on T Twitter. Clark. He's a fellow Work Week uh, uh, a creator. So Work Week, uh, the startup, the creator startup, a media company that I am partnered working with. Uh, he did this incredible thread. Uh, Bilal's going to break it down, though, because there's a lot that touches on uh, YouTube Bilal's uh, former professional. Career. Yeah, so I, I'll try to keep a high level. We'll, we'll link to this thread if you're interested in all the details. But the high level is it's been a massive hit, right? The movie is, you know, I think it's $202 million, it said. Um, opening weekend. Opening weekend, which is yeah. next level, right? Like, I don't know how that compares to other, like, 
like Top Gun and stuff like that that have been recent. But either way, it's a huge success. Oh, um, it broke uh, it sets record for July fourth. So this is massive. That's wild. Okay. Yeah, it's already had eight point three billion views on TikTok. Like the hashtag. So that's not even including all the people talking about, uh, you know, the stuff that isn't tagged. This is literally just if you go on TikTok and search for the hashtag. So huge, huge success. And we're kind of going to break down like step by step what happened. Um, so the first thing that happened about a week ago, this channel on YouTube called Lyrical Lemonade, they dropped a tune with, which was Yeet featuring Minion Song. And this is how old I am. I had to go Google who Yeet is because I, I don't even know Yeet, to be fair. Dude, but I don't know either. Can you play the track? Is it banged? I, the only thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get uh, flagged on YouTube. So but people oh, can well, okay. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, a musician, young gentleman called Yeet. <laughs> and the cool thing is the video is like featuring the Minions. So it's, 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 it's quite fun. Like the video is actually quite fun as well. Um, so that kind of kicks off this thing. That then so, but here, uh, Hold on, but I want to flag something. When Yeet's doing a song Minions, what that sounds like a corporate partnership, that, right? That, that doesn't that, sound right? like he did it on his own, right? Yes. Like, and, and the only thing I can remember that was similar, which sounds ridiculous. Do you remember the Rugrats movie when Blackstreet and Maya yes. did a song with them? Dude, that was such a great song. I dude. love that song. I love yeah. that song. Yeah. So I remember that that's track. showing our age. But um, yeah, so, and but obviously in, in 2022, where is music breaking? It used to be the radio. It used to be honestly YouTube. But right now, what's really dominating is TikTok because people use those snippets and that is kind of changing the way people create music nowadays. So that is what happened. It went on to TikTok as any viral song does. And um, people started creating videos with that repeated part of the song. Um, and there was one video in particular. Uh, I think you you showed it earlier, like the screenshot yeah. of the videos of the guys going in their suits. Um, and and like the, your your boy Tommy Clark explains, like there's two viral elements that make this song really kind of slap for TikTok. Uh, I love one analysis. is yeah, the pattern interrupt of the sound. So I I know you and Jack talk a lot about this in the feed, right? Especially Jack when he does visualize value, he talks about you know you're you're having millions of impressions a day, people scrolling through their feed. How do you stand out in the feed? And similarly. On TikTok, that is the stuff that really kind of goes viral a lot of the time. It's this this sound that kind of makes, even if someone's pointing at screen and talking about stock prices going down, they're often using like video uh, music as well. And that Something kind of like, is, well, I'll give an example. Yeah. Have you ever been driving your car and listened to the radio and you heard and an like, ad that starts with a honk? Yeah. It, dude, it is the sketchiest move uh, when you hear, but it grabs your attention, right? You're yeah. so, when you're driving, you your your attention is so fractured, but the one thing that you will always get your attention is the honking of a car, right? And that's why if you, you watch it, uh, the listeners and viewers here, if you're driving this summer, you might hear a lot of uh. We got ads. Jack coming in, by the way. Yeah. Jack's connecting. Oh, Jack, Jack's here. Jack, here we okay. go. You only missed a few minutes, mate. Wait, okay, well wait. let's catch Jack up here, uh, yep. super quickly. So Jack, are you familiar with what's going on with the minions? Uh, a only, viral sensation. I only just seen the memes popping up everywhere. Yeah, like the, insane, the right? Mr. Beast, I think I saw. Yeah, uh, Mr. Clip. Beast hit on it. So I'll, I'll bring you up to speed to where Bilal's taken us. So uh, for the record, the Minions Riser grew has set a July 4th box office record already. So this is a massive hit. And the meme you're seeing is of young teens, uh, mostly males, showing up in large groups, primarily dressed 
uh, in suits and they're calling it uh, gentle minions. Uh, instead of gentlemen, gentle minions. Love this. And that was a hashtag that was started on TikTok, hit up Twitter. Uh, Bilal is uh, rereading a thread by uh, Tommy Clark, a work recreator. And he's, uh, Tommy uh, said that the, the, the song, uh, which is the underpinning for the entire meme, began on YouTube uh, by a, a singer named Yeats. And, uh, and it, it was on a channel been- called Lyrical Lemonade. It wasn't yeah. on like the official okay. channel of like, let's say, Minions oh, Lyrical Lemonade is big too, though. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, so Bilal being Mr. YouTube, he sniffed it out. He's like, this smells like a corporate collab. <laughs> like, like, like the Minions character and the voices they make, you know, like the little squeaky voice is, is being done on top of a like fairly popular artist. It's like, there's some, this is not some random dude just picking this up, right? It's like yeah, Jack. I was saying it's like, like a Black Street and Maya doing the Rugrats movie in the two thousands. If you remember that mm. classic, classic tune. But yeah, and I will say, and these are we'll summarize these kind of parts at the end. But lyrical lemonade's video on it, it does say this channel got money or free things to post, right? Which is not there's nothing okay. like wrong with that. That's yeah. but, and I actually like that. There's a there's a disclosure there. Um, so yeah, we can kind of come back to that. So that's kind of where we're at, Jack. These dudes are start making these videos. It goes on to uh, TikTok. That original video that Jack kind of shared on the screen. Oh, sorry, Trunk shared on screen earlier was already has like thirty five million views of these guys. And then House of Highlights takes it and posts it there. And for people who don't know, House of Highlights is one of the biggest kind of like sports um, sports like Instagram and TikTok accounts. And they reposted it. And at that moment, you kind of solidify the viral nature of this, right? Because everyone, all the other viral accounts follow this stuff, uh, follow those big accounts, and it just kind of spreads from there. Um, And then just to mention a few other things that kept helping it spread, you mentioned Mr. Beast. He rented out a theater, and uh, that video on his own got 6 million views. Um, And then people, you know, there's these stunt guys on YouTube and TikTok, right? So they start saying, okay, we're going to one-up these people. We're going to do something (laughs) crazy and record it. So one group snuck 200 pounds of bananas into the theater, (laughs) which is kind of related to the whole meme here. Um, Lots of theaters got uh, cops and fire departments called on them. So it was kind of a crazy kind of of thing happening. Um, uh, One theater in the UK banned... Uh, people from showing up in suits. That's so good. Well, so I actually listened. My initial instinct was, wow, like theaters are already hurting so hard because of COVID. These guys don't want money. But then I listened to the interview and the guy was like, yeah, so these kids show up and they're just, it's a family event, right? <laughs> like, parents are bringing their four or five-year-olds. Like we're talking about, Jack had to do something with his kid this morning. I was talking about earlier traveling with my kid. Well, Jack, you missed it. I was telling Bilal, like, my wife got jacked in Barcelona, but like, we are joking about how I am the biggest target possible in Europe to get jacked. An Asian dude with a kid with his attention fractured, like looking at the kid pushing a stroller. Well, your wife, anyway, got, your wife got pickpocketed, did she? No, well, we left a bag on a stroller. The whole thing got sniped. But mm. uh, hey, not a huge deal. You can, you, you'll hear about it later when you listen to the podcast. But uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Funny thing, uh, back to these uh, these kids at uh, the theater. The guy goes, "Yeah, these kids were just so rowdy that uh, we had to like, like they stopped doing online sales of tickets because they're being bought in bulk and showing up like forty deep." So the guy at the UK theater said, "If you want to come to watch Minions, you have to buy the ticket at the box office so I can vet you." <laughs> 
Anyway, well, your blast. Thing Sorry, is, man. Trunk, you just mentioned something which is worth bringing up because we're talking about what makes a viral sensation, especially with young people. Like if, you know, I am sound like the old guy talking about this now, but I kind of am in this case. So I th- you mentioned getting banned. And I'm just trying to think to my childhood and Jack, you might remember this, but there was a song in the UK by a guy called Lethal Bizzle who actually went to school right near me. He's kind of a really famous guy now. And uh, the song, the original song was called Power. And it was a song that literally when it came on in a, in a rave, right? Like if you're at university party, literally the whole dance floor goes crazy. Like people start mosh putting, pushing each other, going crazy, just having a good time. But they had to ban the song at parties for several years, I think it was. And anytime you ban something, it makes people want to l- listen to it more. Effect, right? Exactly. Barbara like exactly. Streisand, stop taking pictures of my house. Everybody starts Everyone's going to take the house. Exactly. Yeah. So, and there's, there's another 50 examples of that, but again, you're, you're, you're only adding fuel to the fire here in this kind of viral sensation. So yeah. that's kind of what happens. Um, and now there is a, a slight minor thing to mention, which is the minions cult. So a lot of people start changing their PFPs, their pictures, profile pictures um, oh. into this, this this whole thing uh and, and so anyway that's that's a that could be a whole hour episode on that and that will probably be for another podcast unbelievable that, though right like yeah. well, let's just establish this over the course of four days took over the internet took it's it crazy over. and but essentially what- it's and the way your boy writes about it, he basically says the movie has an army of millions of people of engaged accounts promoting the movie across all the platforms. Crazy. So that's kind of the summary of what happened. But this is the key, right? Because he it. also mentions it. And I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago from a newsletter. You guys remember Morbius, right? Morbius yeah. was like this from the Spider-Man universe. The, the vampire villain from the Spider-Man universe also had similar meme vibe. But people were, it, they're being made fun of. It was like the movie was so bad that people were making fun of it but it didn't get like the same lift where he actually translated into sales, right? And then, then it's like, what's that movie that was a remake of that old, old film that was so bad and it was a the film? The Room? The Room, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the, is that the name of the, the film that they made later? No, The Room, uh, The Disaster Artist is the movie that uh, was that- made by, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, the act, uh, you guys know which actor I'm talking about. But, that, but it was so bad that it became a cult classic, right? Yeah. But yeah. Morbius thought it was that, right? And it, and and Morbius but it was just shit. basically got memed into a second release, right? People, uh, Sony was like, "Oh my god, people are loving the internet energy of this. Let's re-release it." They re-released it, and I think it ended up making eighty-five dollars a theater. So That's like, insane. it, it did, well, completely bombed on the re-release. But here's where it gets so funny: there's a petition right now <laughs> to do a third release of Morbius. It's got like fifty thousand signatures. But I think the reason we're bringing all this up is, well, here, let, let's throw something at Jack because uh, I think uh, Jack's perspective here would be much needed. So, Jack, we would talk about memes as like the running theme of non-investment advice. But here's a key that we, I don't know if we really teased out. Turning memes into money, that's a very different thing, right? A lot of people can go meme and go viral. But actually turning that into a business, like, I don't know, visualized value, it's a very different thing, right? Could you tease that out? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how the minions thing. I don't know enough about the story or the franchise to to figure out whether it was like something that was already bubbling up because those characters have been around for 
10 years now or something, right? This like, is, is it like a spinoff? Isn't it Despicable Me where they, yeah. they appeared at first? So this is like their own thing. So they've become like, they were like a meme nested within this film and then they were big enough to warrant their own thing. I'm assuming, right? There's an ex- I'm asking you the question. Is the, yes, is the film correct. about the minions? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I think that in itself is like, I don't know. There's like maybe the like irony component of their like people lining up and wearing suits and like going nuts for this stuff is, is what's like the flywheel effect happening here. But the thing already exists to monetize it before the sure. meme begins. Right. I think that's the difference is like something yeah, the meme amazing. It's just, just pushing it forward, like putting fuel on that's the bike. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in the case of somebody who's like really good at making things that generate attention as we like share a bunch of people who are amazing at that, but they don't have the infrastructure in place to like capture the 1% or 2% of the people that, that t- like the, the, the minions meme that's going around right now. What as a percentage of people are like seeing that and buying a cinema ticket? I'm certainly not. So it's going to be a tiny percentage, but just the pure scale of it is so obscene that it is going to, and it has translated, like you said, trying to um, more sales and the, like the, basically the network effect flywheel effect power law thing, where it's just like, they keep winning harder and harder and harder and harder because of the, like the, the cultural phenomenon that's going on here as well. I don't know if there's, you remember like, um, was it like planking or something? There was like a few uh, like viral. <laughs> we're really aging ourselves. Yeah, we're really oh. What's the Rugrats uh, reference and the planking reference? I know it's about where people would just post up on a yeah. random car or whatever. Yeah, like just lay flat on stuff, and that was like this is like before platforms like TikTok and stuff, where it's like. Like ice bucket challenge, like and those as well. Yeah, it's another. Good, that's another oh, good ice bucket example. raised a ton of money. Yeah. That was genius. That was a yeah. genius viral challenge. There hasn't been that many. Like I remember in the agency days, like we always pitch these like cringe ass flash mob things. You know, uh, yeah. Like yeah. I can't remember where that came from originally, but just turn up in Union Square, Square and everyone's and everyone, gonna do yeah. a, a big dance. Yeah. Yeah, some coordinated Jack, thing. One one thing you said that reminded me, like when we did our Creator Lab episode together ages ago the second one which was a live one which i know some people who listen to this might have even listened to that one that whole episode was about how to actually monetize an audience right because that was the first one was about how you built visualized value the second one was how you actually make money from it and that the kind of summary was you need to have something to sell right like it sounds obvious but a lot of people just go and like build this big audience and they're like well they're, they're kind of building it for the, the sake of building it or they're deciding later they're going to how they're going to make money which is cool too but you know for you you have you know half a million followers on different channels and a, a few percentage of them are going to land on visualizedvalue.com and buy mm-hmm. the other deeper stuff that you sell and similar to this there's hundreds of millions of impressions or billions of impressions sorry and that's going to tr- translate into one or two percent of people actually turning up and buying a ticket so th- that's kind of a I think quite an important thing to mention here, like the way you framed it around, like you already had something to sell in the first place. This is just helping versus just something going viral. And then, but there was no real reason for it in the first place. Yeah. And the other thing, like the dynamic of all the people pushing it now, like they are trying to coast off that meat. Like even, you know, the people who are, 
I don't know, have a Patreon or have like their own thing, like they still want to tap into the energy of this meme. They're not going to benefit directly from it. Like they're not selling millions merch or tickets, but that's again, the flywheel effect is like, if I can basically this like drafting off the clout of this meme, like I have to get involved in this thing. It's, it's very similar to like, you know, the like current thing meme on yeah. Twitter where it's like, I need to talk about this and show X that I'm, you well, know, if you're getting Mr. Views. Beast, you've hit the top, right? Like if right. you're getting missed. So if Elon posts your meme or if Mr. Beast makes a piece of content out of your meme, you've, that's the peak. You've right, hit right, the peak right. of it, right? And then there's just all these cascading effects from that where like the content, the people who create content at the tier below that and at the tier below that and then the tier below that are all trying to like draft off of They're that. They're following trend. up, yeah. And that's why TikTok is to amazing it. too. It's because of that like reaction dynamic and the song. Like there's so many little nuances in that platform that's like there's layers of the content that like extend the virality of it. Like the song goes the remixing, right? Everybody remixes that, the song. Completely. The song gets used like Bilal said, 8 billion. The, the minions hashtags been seen 8 billion it's, times. Yeah. yeah. And, that, that, and I think it was like dynamic. over a hundred thousand like uses of the music. And then actually Jack, as you entered the room, I was just saying it. So I'll just finish that uh, last element of like what made the song like perfect for TikTok. The first one was, it's like a pattern interrupt. Like when you hear it, it's very much like a, you're like, what the hell is that? And the way he described it is what the fuck did I just hear minions on a yeet track? You're like, you know, it's like black street and Rugrats. Like why is Tommy and Phil and Lil or whatever their names are talking right now. And then the second part, I'm really aging myself. And then the second part is catchy and repetitive enough to get stuck in your head. Like my money don't jiggle, jiggle it folds, which you've seen probably on, if you've been on TikTok. That's the chicken shop date girl with, uh, I forgot his name, Louis Thoreau, whatever his name is. Um, so that's a like super, super viral thing as well. Um, so yeah, those were the two elements of it. So just to bring us all the way back to summarize, the question we kind of have open, I want to pass it over to you guys is, was this organic or was this orchestrated? Was it a bit above? Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just curious to get your take on that. Wait, Bilal, tell me if I'm correct here. The thread suggests it was 100% manufactured. I, that's what I got from it. But the way he described it, he put in brackets like maybe partnered with influencers to spark hype. Um, For yeah, sure. I, the I, following things, though, L Lyrical Lemonade, that yeah. they said, okay, that was the song. So to, to the TikTok song, you mentioned the two parts that made it viral and uh, catchy. Well, let's, let's establish something. TikTok is the most important thing in the music industry today. It is the number Definitely. one hit maker for songs because of, and it's changing. It's the same way that Spotify changed song lengths from like whatever, four minutes to like, you know, three minutes because you get paid per stream for a song. So you make shorter songs, right? What are, what are the incentives? We always talk about this. TikTok, what are the video lengths? 15, 30, 60 seconds, right? So TikTok songs, there's a formula for what makes a good TikTok song, right? It's like gets right into the hook, has a catchy hook. You're not dicking around because you don't have time, right? And is it something that can catch somebody within the five seconds versus maybe even Spotify, you have 30, 40 seconds. So TikTok has become such a massive engine for music that there are already agencies, even the record labels, right? They're going out creating TikTok specific songs. Um, I wrote an article about this for Bloomberg. A lot of the artists, really famous artists like Halsey are complaining that like labels are withholding their music till they blow up on TikTok. Like that's how important TikTok is. That's crazy. Right? And so, uh, trying just to add to that, uh, there's so many songs I hear where I'm like, oh, I've only heard that on TikTok. Even like, honestly, the Jack Harlow song, which was 
number one, right? First class, which is like a remake of what was it, Gwen Stefani or whatever. I forgot. Fergie, mate. Fergie, Fergie. Fergie, Fergie. Sorry, I'm. I'm that sorry. sounds incredible, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, incredible. But like even that, like I knew the hook, and then I heard it outside somewhere on the radio or on the in the car, and I was like, oh yeah, that's the whole song. I didn't even, I didn't even hear the <laughs> that's whole like song. The you know what song. I mean? Um, and then I've, also, I've seen videos outside where people just play the first viral part, which is 10 seconds, and then everyone starts yeah. singing the rest of it, and then it's the full video, uh, the full song. Well, that's yeah, why I wanted to talk to about that, right? Like, to answer your question, is this manufactured? That part yeets with minions. Manufactured, right? Uh, the house of highlights that you brought up is also another piece. I'm that's like, an interesting part. Is that like, like just an amplification partner, yeah. basically? Like, if you think of... And uh, what well, another way I was going to say it, Jack, you mentioned this. You go into these rooms right in your advertising days and i i did this too i'd go in a room and they'd say hey you guys are youtube how do we go viral that was literally the question they always ask and the the, the answer was always like 99.9 percent don't just go viral because true viral is like oh you made something and it just kept spreading kept spreading yeah, I'm yeah. Talking if about i knew the answer brand. i wouldn't be sitting here exactly exactly yeah and like you know <laughs> you'd be mr talk- beast Trang, you're probably one of the best people in our space at going viral, right? Like, so you definitely. No, that's can very do it. specific, though. That's Twitter. It's but like, Twitter. dude, I want to ask you about it, though. I, yeah. I know you threw us the question: Is yeah, this so? We're established, all right? Lyrical Lemonade even acknowledged this was maybe sponsored, and the song itself was almost certainly manufactured. So, Bilal, you talked about sitting in these rooms. Jack, you've sat in these rooms. So, Bilal, let's answer. When when people were hitting you with this, what was the craziest viral concoction that you saw at YouTube? honestly i'm trying to remember because it feels so long ago but most of them were like these were rooms with brands so it wasn't necessarily the same as you know content creators are really the best at going viral so like mr beast and those sort of people they're creating real viral things where they think how do i recreate charlie's chocolate factory and spend a million dollars five million dollars or whatever it was and that is truly viral right but with brands it's not the same because brands aren't as cool as Mr. Beast, right? Like creating stuff like that. And they know, people know because they see the brand. So I'm just thinking, honestly, I can't really think of one orchestrated campaign like this. I can just think of like landing pages. Like they, back in the day when you could do custom YouTube channels, they would turn, um, like they would do all this creative stuff. Like when you go on it, you don't realize that it's actually just a custom page. And then the, the screen's getting sucked in and it's like a movie and you're, you're like flying through it and all this stuff. So they're using the elements of the page in a really creative, fun way. Then there were some like beer brands that did kind of uh, stuff like that as well. So that I, I can't remember, honestly, like the, the one that really stands out. But I do know for the movies, every like one of my best friends was the kind of like, the guy who did the research for that vertical for media entertainment is called. And, and he basically did a whole deck. I remember him explaining it to me, like how all the movie studios were spending. They all seed that, uh, that launch on YouTube. Cause if you think like the trailer, where's the trailer scene? Yeah. Uh, especially five years ago, it was on YouTube, right? Like, uh, and you, you know, obviously social media too, but they would test different types of trailers on there and like run it as ads and see what, what the retention was like, where people dropped off, like on a small scale, instead of doing like a focus group or something, they would just run it as an ad. That's right? fascinating. And, yeah. So this, what was the name of the, this is in the early 2010s. It's probably stayed. The yeah. Same. This is probably like mid. It's probably like 14, 15, 20. What was the name of the group? 
Uh, well, this is at Google. So I'm saying like the, the guy who was doing that was in the Google's media and entertainment team. So we okay. would have like verticals. And so mine was like e-commerce and fashion and stuff like that. And his was media and entertainment. That's so that would be all the streamers, Spotify. Uh, so anyone who's streaming and selling subscriptions, but also the big movie studios. And so if you think about where they spend their money, because it's a sales team, they're spending on awareness, right? And and it's yeah. very different to me, what I was doing originally, which was, oh, we're going to sell a pair of shoes in store or online and we can see every part of the funnel. On, on the, the movie side, you're literally doing tests, like you're, you're running YouTube ads in a certain region. And then the next weekend, seeing how many people turned up to the movies. That's amazing. Uh, cinema or well, whatever. Dude, movie marketing, especially trailers, is absolutely fascinating. I would love to get an expert on it because I think I saw some research about the length of movies trailers and how much of a movie's plot it gives away. And like, I think over time, it's just more and more of the plot is just given away. Have you ever seen a movie trailer and you're like, I'm pretty sure they just gave away the entire was, movie. Or that was the highlights of the movie, like yeah. comedy. In, like in two minutes they... and 30 seconds, you're like, yeah. I'm pretty sure you guys just gave away like the main twist of the movie and like the ending, right? But like, there's a, obviously a massive science behind trailers like you talked about, right? It's like they're, they're, they're micro-testing now where the drop-off is. They probably have 30 different cuts. And they'll, like, in a film studios will film certain parts only for the trailer. They don't even show up in the movie, right? Well, it's, it's like, almost like the, if you think of the best... Like what I'm seeing is a, or the best content creators like Mr. Beast and others are learning from what those guys did and they're just right. remixing it. So if, like you said, when we, we talked about Andrew Schultz and Rogan and stuff last week, those guys literally make two, three hour podcasts and they say like, what's going to be a clip? Like yeah. they're writing. I mean, we kind of do it sometimes on here, but we don't take it as seriously. Like they're literally saying, we're going to talk about this topic because it's topical. And that was a funny one minute. And that's going to be, the top yeah. of funnel for our podcast episode, you know? So that is, I feel like the, the, the idea is still being used. It's just now as a content creator, you need to do it at 10 X velocity that you need to make so many more pieces totally. of content versus a movie makes one trailer, right? It's uh, very different. Well, the interesting, the, 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 my last point about the movie marketing, because since you, I love that you brought up uh, that you knew the guy working on that team is, uh, so you have to remember when, uh, when you're talking about a budget for a movie, so let's say a budget for a Christopher Nolan movie is 150 million. The, the, like the rule of thumb is the marketing budget is how much the movie budget is. So uh, if the Christopher Nolan movie is 150 mil, the marketing budget will be 150 mil, right? So to break even, you need to 2x the movie budget, which is why when you see these box office numbers come out and uh, people will say, like Morbius, they said flopped. So it made internationally it's done about 200 million against a 170 budget you're like why is that a flop it's because you got to factor in the double for the marketing mm, right yeah. and uh, i think uh, to, to be considered a success it's gonna be four or five times the budget just to cover all these random costs but uh dude i i love the rabbit hole we went down on this uh, yeah this is fun this is wait, i mean I, Jack, I didn't realize when i read the thread how much it was related to yeah like stuff we your talk job, about. bro but yeah what are you gonna ask jack saying no well i wanted to ask well i actually wanted to finish it so blow uh, I, I flipped the question right back to you. The music's planted. The music song's probably done. The YouTube part was planted. Probably House of Highlights. The rest is organic, right? It's like probably a lot yeah. of it. The, my answer to the question is, was it organic or not? Like, I think all these, all the best ones are a little bit above, which is kind of an annoying yeah. answer. But you normally need the, the strategy and the paid budget to seed a lot of that kind of fire. And then if it works well, it 
you know, 10 X's from there. So I think obviously like the, the song seems orchestrated, obviously, and that's a really smart move that they've really thought about that. Um, and then all these, uh, I think the creative stuff of the dudes turning up in suits, that's like, seems very organic. Ooh, like, I need to yeah. know how that happened because, well, two things. That will never happen again with the same energy because it's the first time, right? Something like this happened. Here's the other part. It is the perfect internet to real life meme if you're a movie theater. What more could you possibly want than the real life action of the meme is 50 people showing up in suits to your theater? Yeah, crazy. Right? Like, what if, what if the meme for Minions were people planking? So you have people planking outside theaters but not buying tickets. This is the perfect follow-through for the meme. So that will never happen again. I don't think you'll be able to replicate this but, exact... And, this and also, perfect. Trunk, isn't it? Like, when you're looking forward, even from when you're writing stuff, right? But if you, th you said, you know, Twitter is very specific. But if you're in that room and you're Minions team and you're saying, how do we get people to do this thing? The ideas that people come up with always sound stupid. Right. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they are. And it's that one that kind of just sticks and you don't realize that, you know, humans take over and they create new things out well, of it. Well, to Jack's point, though, like this existing IP, first of all, like Jack said, already existed from Despicable Me, right? It's a spin off IP, but it's also perfect. It's just, what, what are minions? There's thousands of these little, like, goofy little critters, right? It was freaking, man, I think. The more I think about this, I think it was completely cooked up, man. It was just, it's just too genius. Yeah. Uh, to your point, it had to, it, it, I think actually you're right. It's 50-50. It's like, you got to get the fire, but it was the, the, the fire execution, the, the, tin, the, the Tinder, if you will. Perfect. You will not have better Tinder than what they created. Definitely. Jack, any closing thoughts before we move on to Michelin star stuff or Michelin well, guide? Only one, only one, I, on, one thought is, um, they might have planted 50 seeds, right? And oh. one one took the only one you talk about is the one that worked. So I think people just oh, that's at that scale, point. marketers should just think about this way differently going forward. It's like you cannot anticipate the behavior of the crowd. You know, there's you have instincts and maybe some data and things to go off, but nobody could, like you said, Bilal, like draw a timeline of like we're gonna commission this song and then in three weeks there's gonna be like a bunch of kids walking into cinemas in tuxedos. Nobody wrote that down, right? That, that didn't. It, and normally it the ones who try to make that, they try to do that. Oh, kids are going to do this thing. That never happens. It, it always the absolute. Yeah. It just completely the falls flat on his face. And, and like, that's why, you know, influencer marketing was a buzzword, even like back when I started my advertising career, but it's so, I, I don't know. It's so much more nuanced now where like, you have to give full creative control to that person. Otherwise that's you don't key. get the effects. And I think that's like, people are slowly moving towards that where it's just like, there's almost no creative brief where it's just like, Hey, do something for minions. That's it. Right. Do, do what you think is going to be like entertaining to the people that are interested in what you make. Um, and the people who have given up control there. Like you can't imagine 10 years ago, someone like a movie executive signing off on some of the stuff that's been yeah, done. That's now. a great, that's a great point. Well, the one you just mentioned that the, the best example that Trung, you asked me a question, like one of the best viral things that I remember was Casey Neistat 
when he did the Nike thing. Do you remember the original Nike video where they where the I think the headline was like Nike gave me X million dollars to make them a commercial, and instead I decided to travel the world and spend it all instead, and that perfect. was the content. Yeah. And that, that was, was perfect. That was so brilliant, and it was just so like you'd watch it and you're like, oh okay, Nike's all over it. Like you're mentioning the beginning. But then after that, you don't mention anything. But then the feeling of the guys traveling and doing all that stuff is exactly what Nike wants. Um, yeah, so it was that. That's probably the one that actually stands out now that I think of it. That's a great one. That is a that is an absolutely legendary one. Um, all right, boy. Should we move on to the next one? Because I, I feel like we could talk about this all day. But anything else, trying? It looks like you got a thought there. No, was there anything else on this uh, thread? Um, yeah, I guess the summary was we think. Um, yeah, the question was was it orchestrated or organic and yeah i'm curious to hear what people think as well so you can comment on the in the comments below let us know what you think and if there's any missing pieces we didn't think about uh let us know there as well all right trunk you went to your first mission starred restaurant you wore your best pants your best uh <laughs> well, your best shorts on, jack, jack missed it but uh your boy uh your boy trunk <laughs> so well you know what let's turn this into a mini little travel segment. So three weeks in Spain and uh, Portugal. Uh, Spain Man, is the best. Can we talk? Can we just talk? Can we let's let's wet? Let's pretend it's a Michelin restaurant. So we're going to do a 27 <laughs> course meal about Michelin guide. So <laughs> Spain, exceptional. So I've been to France. I've been to Italy. I've been to Switzerland, UK. I think Spain's my favorite. I think it's the heat. I love the heat, right? Uh, well, uh, let me get your guys' general thoughts on Spain before we get into the mission. Spent Jack, loads of time yeah. in Spain as a kid. Like, it's like the number one place Brits go. No, I love it, mate. There's yeah. loads of uh, Irish pubs in Spain, mate. So we love it. <laughs> Fish finger sandwiches for lunch. Yeah, uh, our I, boy Tom Osman just moved. Yeah, yeah, he did. yeah. Well, what are we? Okay, well, let's just do this. Let's narrow the scope of it. So the heat's obviously amazing. Uh, what are we eating in Spain? What are you guys eating when you go to Spain? I've only taken one trip to Spain during my uh, Where you had money? Rena the renaissance <laughs> in my life. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I went up to watch to some design conference in Barcelona. I mean, jamón every day, obviously. The Iberico. Jamón. <laughs> we're on the Iberico ham every day. What else? Uh, Olives. Mate, the tapas. You got to just sounds, do this. Yeah, the tapas. It sounds yeah. obvious, but the tapas is just well, really good. You just Let's have that like four Dude, times Dude, that patatas omelette is just... Ooh, let me tell yeah, you about yeah. the patatas omelette. I saw a backpacker roll up into a restaurant. It's the cheapest item on the menu, but you're talking carbs and protein. That's the best bang for the buck you get, right? So this backpacker rolls in, has a quarter of the patatas bravas, and takes the rest to go, and I'm like... This dude just spent four bucks for a day's meal. And I know this because this is what I used to do. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the perfect patatas bravas day long food. Is this, that's the, the tortilla thing, yeah? Like omelet. Yeah, that's the like potatoes. the omelet with the potatoes inside. Yeah, it's a killer. But yeah, I would say the same, man. I mean, I've been a few times as well and it's, it's hard to beat. It's just like the, the vibe, the people just like, they, you know, they legit take naps at 4 p.m. a lot of the time. And, and then they go out <laughs> at like 2 a.m. in the morning to have dinner at 12 p.m. Well, you know the, uh, the time zone controversy with Spain, right? No, no. What's that? So Spain is on, I believe, it is, it's on Germany's time zone. So if you actually look at the map, it should actually be closer to London, UK. And the reason that is, is because in World War II, the Spanish government wanted to show 
They want to show so their commitment and like relationship. They're like, hey, we're supporting the Nazi regime. So they bro, went. You, is that you true? look like extra true fun story. fact fan, professor yeah. fan with the blackboard behind you today. Yeah, bro. bro. I, I could go nuts on it. Google that right now. Uh, that wait, is yeah. mental. Yeah, dude. So Spain is an hour ahead. It's supposed to be on London time if you look at the map. So they're an hour ahead. So everything Bilal just said, why they take siestas or dinners are late. So very famous for having late dinners, right? So I'm out here with my wife and kid. I'm on vacation. I'm watching Spanish workers getting gassed at 10 p.m., having dinner at 10 p.m. I'm like, bro, how are you going to wake up and be productive tomorrow? They're not, bro. It's because you're <laughs> yeah, on the road. That's absolutely right. <laughs> so that's the running joke. So oh, sorry to our Spanish listeners. Listeners, if you didn't know, you're in the wrong time zone. And this is part of the reason why you guys might not be as productive. So like the EU has been pushing for Spain to go back to like the proper time zone. And it's so, I think the Spanish government wants to make it happen too. It's just like, listen, a lot of things, we see what happens with daylight savings, right? It destroys everything. And uh, I don't know how much they want to go back to the history of why they're on the wrong time. That's zone. wild. I did not know that. Maybe nobody wants to talk about it, but I think that was a, that's a really, listen, this is, People, if you're listening, you're like, Trung, look, can we talk about the Michelin stars? I'm like, listen, this is all in the lead up to the Michelin stars, it's the right? the preamble. Because I did a lot of fun fact fan Wikipedia in when I was in Spain. So my oh, knowledge is just, I got a lot of things to talk about here. Which so, cities did you go to, Trung? I went to Seville. Uh, uh, well, start off Portugal, Lisbon. Then went to Seville, um, Madrid, San Sebastian in the Basque region, which is where uh, the Michelin restaurant, as, you, as many of you on this this call may know the Basque region is uh, considered most, one of the the number one food capitals for the Michelin community. Yeah, I think it's got more Michelin star in like restaurants a than anywhere radius. else. Yeah. Well, the well, let me ask you guys this: the all preamble listeners, don't worry. Um, this is all foreplay. I'm gonna get to the good stuff. If I were to ask you, where are the most three star Michelin restaurants in the world? Guess. Paris. No. London. What country? What country? Birmingham, oh. mate. No, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> what um, country? I'm going to say... I thought Spain. England. Japan. Oh. Because oh, okay. you know the... Because ja what's the Michelin star bus? So let me read around. through. Let's get into it. So let, let, let me preamble. Uh, let me move from the preamble to a bit of the meat and bread. The meat and bones here. So what is the Michelin guide, right? So everybody, everybody on this call, but it's very famous how it started. So Michelin, the tire company, started in 1889 in France, Clermont-Ferrand, France. It's founded by the Michelin brothers in 1900 in France when there are only 3,500 cars on the road. So think this is how far back we are. They created a guide to get people to drive around, right? It's like it's one of the greatest like side hustles ever for a company. You create a guide to get people to drive around so they buy tires, right? It's genius. So the guide didn't add restaurants until 1926. And then in 1937, it was completely devoted to food. So we're talking almost 100 years now where it's devoted to food. It had gone from locations for people to drive to food. And this, at the end of the day, it was all meant to sell tires. And the Michelin Guide, if you're talking about like revenue, they, it's not separated within Michelin's financials, but I, I read a 2011 Financial Times report that said that Michelin was losing uh, 30 million a year on the guide losing. So I can only imagine that their revenue is, if they're losing 30, just call it double, maybe they're losing like half. So talking, the revenue is probably 45, 50 mil in 2011. 
Um, and that's just from selling the guides. Well, two parts, actually. Selling the guides, they sell hundreds of thousands of years of the physical guides. And they also, uh, more sketchily in recent years, uh, to launch new guides, like they went to South Korea. You know who paid them to launch in South Korea? It's not going to surprise you. Who paid them? The government? Exactly. The tourism yeah. board for South Korea, mm. right? It makes sense. Because, I mean, I think my trip to this restaurant, Mugaritz, which is 14 in the world right now, no big deal, uh, is a perfect example <laughs> of why. It's like, I never, I actually would never have gone. My wife wanted to go. So we never would have gone to this restaurant in this region of Spain if it wasn't in the Michelin Guide, right? So you understand why uh, these countries would pay up the tourism board. So the figure back then for South Korea, which is about five or six years ago, I think, they paid about a mil to get listed. And again, this is not to have people rank your restaurant. This is just for a guide for your country to show up. Like Canada, for example, is only getting a guide this fall. Like I just found out now that we're getting a Michelin guide in the fall. So never had one. So obviously tourism is a big thing. So I think the revenue mix is probably uh, some type of digital online like uh, guide, the, the physical guide, and maybe some of these uh, 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 listing fees or like the right to use the name. Uh, or have people go to, to your country. But this is where it gets interesting. Are you guys familiar with the, the inspectors? Like what the inspectors are up to? What, when the they ones turn that up just assign the stars? Yeah, exactly. Do you guys know anything about the inspectors? Not really. Not really, no. So the term, uh, the inspectors, no one knows who they are. Um, they're called, uh, they're so secretive that they've been called the CIA with good food. It's like, this is their job. So one inspector, and this was told just uh the way that we know about the inspectors is uh, the Michelin has anonymously allowed some inspectors to be interviewed and also some former inspectors wrote tell-alls when they left and they're like, we hate Michelin. So if you're an inspector, it sounds like a good job. You're eating at two restaurants a day, five days a week. So you're on the road 250 days a year. It sounds great. It's a lonely job, man. It's like, you think about that. You're like a traveling salesman, right? And nobody- and you're like a, an extremely powerful individual because Michelin, uh, one of these really famous Michelin star chefs gave a, a shorthand for how much money an extra star gives you. So one star, he said, adds 30% to your revenue, two stars, 50%, three stars, 100%. So as just a rule of thumb. It's like, it's like that's a Portnoy much- pizza review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like a rule of thumb, right? So... Going back to their financials, let's say they're making 50 mil a year from the guides and some of these like country listings. Think about how expensive it is to have these inspectors eating because the inspectors pay for their own meals because they the restaurants have no idea who these inspectors are. So the human cost of paying for these meals and they don't even say how many there's probably hundreds if not thousands of inspectors. So that's where all the all the uh, costs are coming from. So let me throw a question for you guys. Not knowing the full financials, but from your gut instinct from the brand, how worth it is it to lose money on Michelin? Massive amount. I think just from name recognition, like I worked on Michelin as a client for at an agency I worked at and like just in contact with that brand, so many people know the name Michelin and they think the tires are the side project. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, Michelin, isn't that the restaurant thing? It's like, no, no, <laughs> it's a tire company. They make tires, and in the same way, like I've talked about this before, the like name recognition. When you walk into a place and you have to make a decision, 
you're going to go with the name that you know. And I think like the branding, like the, the magnitude of the effect of that branding exercise is like, it's probably so big that they have anecdotal and qualitative data to suggest that like stopping that would be catastrophic, right? That I, w- I would imagine that that is still credited with like the relevance of the brand over time. Well, what other, what, other, what other tire company, you know, Goodyear, right? And it's because they have the blimp everywhere. It's like, right. think about, I think you're 100% like, well, Blau, when you hear Michelin, like, I mean, what are yeah, you thinking? What for it- ages, I didn't even put two and two together that they were the same company. It's kind of like um, the other example people talk about is Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, was right. based on Guinness, that's the great, yeah, alcohol that's a great brand. Example. And I was going to ask you guys if there's any others you know, but that is like a whole category of, you know, content marketing, whatever you want to call it, right? That becomes its own business, essentially, and its own thing that people do, like. So to answer your question directly, for most of my adult life, I didn't even think the Mission Star Guide for restaurants had anything to do with tire company. It didn't even. It's an inc- it's a, such an incredible such it's a cool example. Of food, right? It's like. Yeah. Somebody, one of the chefs put it like this. Chefs are so competitive that, but they didn't have an avenue, right? To like rank themselves mm. against each other. But then Michelin starts ranking. And I mean, there's, there's competitors, right? There's James Beard, there's Zagia, but like Michelin is the top. Yeah, it's like a household end. name too, right? Like even yeah. if you like, you just know the Michelin star system, like nine out of 10 people in not, I'm not going to say in the world, that's outrageous, but you stop at nine people on the street, most of them are going to know what Michelin is, outside my house at least. Yeah, know? yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, let's say upper, 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 upper been, middle class, right? Upper yeah, uh, middle well, class. Say, I don't know, though. I think it transcends that because I think okay. people use that meme of like, oh, Michelin, you know, like... Well, how many stars? Here. Yeah, I yeah. think people like, you know, before I ever ate, like ate in a restaurant that wasn't a McDonald's, I knew what Michelin was, right? It's <laughs> That's like what I was going to say. It's an aspirational thing too. Like the meme you use to be like, oh, this is like a Michelin star restaurant. You would say that even if, you know, or that, that like meme if is you don't even know into what your means. consciousness. Right. And so much so, Jack, even there's a lot of restaurants that have like Michelin something in the window. And when you look at the sign closely, it doesn't even say we've got two Michelin stars. It says it's like recognized the, by. No, it's like Michelin. It's like in the directory or something. Yeah, it's we're like, in the guide. Literally, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, in yeah. the guide. But yeah. that's enough for someone to read it and be like, oh, Michelin. Oh, there's respect. this positive association with it. You know what? Go, sorry, sorry, Bilal. I, didn't, I thought you finished. No, I was. I was. Go, all go right, for all right. I was going to say the other thing that popped up is, you know, the American Express credit card slip? Yeah. That's another client I had before um, where like you... They did something similar, but not quite the same where they would get high end merchants to accept Amex. Ah. Then you have this like mimetic desire component to this thing where it's like they then become the network effect for using the cards. So it's like, you know, Manhattan steakhouses, we take Amex and then the little credit card slip is Amex and Amex became this aspirational premium thing. Yeah. It came this aspirational credit card that, you know, I want to, um, and they the, obviously the concierge negotiates deals with all of these like brands, and they're still doing stuff like that now. You have Chase Sapphire and, well, they bought and other Resi, brands no? chasing them. Didn't they buy Resi? I don't know. Yeah. Amex. I they bought that. Resi. Just actually had dinner with the founder of Resi one time, and he 
they i was like why the hell did they buy you at first it doesn't make complete customer sense. acquisition media baby it's media and it's the brand because the resi if you think for people who don't know what resi is if you live in another country it was like open table but they originally started with just the nicer restaurants that you couldn't get on open table so open table became this like mass market of oh you want a reservation at the random olive restaurant garden. around the corner olive garden <laughs> or whatever and then they went and convinced like the higher end restaurants or like the really popular ones Clever, that yeah. in New York, especially you, you could never make a reservation. You had to go put your name down. Right. And you just put your name down, you go around the corner for an hour and come back sort of thing. And, and the way they did it is they just basically made the fees much cheaper. And, uh, and the, the design of the app, even though I hate the UI of the app, but it looks slightly better. Like the branding of it looks slightly better, but like the zoom of the map is, I don't know how it still exists in that way. But yeah, so that is another kind of example of how like- Well, Bilal, just, Zagat, Google yeah, used to own Zagat, right? They bought Zagat, yeah. One of my other best friends worked in that team as they uh, got acquired. Well, tell, can you talk through that? It's like, I mean, this is like, I mean, that is like a Michelin competitor, essentially, like brand. And so yes, for Zagat, for people who don't know is, because I didn't really know it, too much because I'm from the UK and it wasn't as popular. Um, but there was like a 30 point, um, like a review system instead of like five stars, it was people would, would rate it. Um, but I think they also rated it or something themselves. Right. So they gave reviews with that 30 point guide. Eventually, once it came into Google, Google bought it and integrated it into Google maps. And then they ended up kind of condensing it down to like a five star thing anyway. Um, but the reason they bought them, because I remember when they bought them, everyone was like, why are they buying Zagat? Does, why don't they just do a deal with them to get access to the data? You don't need to buy the whole company. And the the answer I kind of got was, well, they were cheap enough for them just to buy the whole company instead. And and uh, it's basically content for them. And it yeah. was worthwhile. It was like but Yelp, yeah. right? It's like Yelpish. Exactly. Exactly like that. Well, dude, Bilal, I, sorry, Jack, I didn't mean to cut you. A super quick go, comment go. on Bilal's thought was, uh, Bilal, when you said that uh, the Michelin uh, signs on the doors, the other thing I'd add is this, is um, if you trained under a Michelin chef, yeah, you can open a restaurant too. and say, train under a Michelin chef. And like, the to Jack's point, the mimesis of that, like, I've literally heard somebody been like in BC, British Columbia, trained under a Michelin chef. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like you it's the credential. Up, like, yeah. Yeah. Harvard and it kind of makes sense because it Harvard is there is <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But there is a there is like a level of and we're gonna get to your actual review of the place in a second, but there is a level of like if anyone's been to a Mission Star restaurant, in my opinion, most of them are always like really great service and the food is like fancy little plates where you're like, I need to get a slice <laughs> of pizza after sort of thing, but it's an experience and you kind of like lean into it for the night. You literally just did my review. Like yeah. that's my, <laughs> you went and got Brava straight after. <laughs> yeah. I got that patata Brava. I got to spend like a thousand euro on a meal and go get a $2 patata. Whoa, wait, wait. Oh, well, let me add this. Uh, I know Jack had a comment, but one thing I had is uh, I have to give credit to my wife. I, there's no chance I'd ever pay for this meal, so she paid for it. Uh, but Jack, hit that. I was just going to say, uh, it's very similar to what we're talking about at the beginning, where like people bucket like the idea of marketing expenses. Even as somebody who's worked professionally in advertising and marketing for a long, long time, you like constrain your thinking a lot of the time to like, very typical mediums like, Oh, we're going to buy an ad on TV or we're going to, yeah. but really like, it's like 
almost all of your business activity outside of running the company is a marketing exercise, right? It's like yeah. every single thing you do is marketing. And just another like Michelin anecdote, they, um, anybody who works on that account, they send you to the factory in, in South Carolina. So you go there for three days, you do a tour, you see all the like rubber compounds of the tires. Taking it built. back. You were just in the car factory again, mate. Just- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like you go and speak to people that work in the line, people that design the compounds. And then they've, they've got this, uh, this place called the Proving Grounds, which is like a um, test track. And then you go out there for the day and they do these like mad exercises where they'll put you in, like they give you an M3, and they'll put it like on shitty tires. And then they'll say like, get around a track as fast as you can. And then they'll give you a minivan on half-worn Michelins and you do the same thing and you beat oh, it every wow. time. Wait, that Jack, did so you good. drive? Did you drive? Yeah, yeah, everybody drives. Oh everybody my drives. good. Yo, yeah, this yeah. Michelin account, uh, do you only do tire stuff or did they talk about the guide? Uh, no, we like the guide was completely separate. I did all the like all the car stuff. Um, <laughs> like the last head back of the That's car. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. And they did like they did actually. Uh, they were doing the influencer thing a long time ago. So we did an event with the Stig in uh, Palm Springs, where they flew out like hundred like YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. The guy that used to drive the Top Gear. Yeah, uh, the Stig, and um, they threw flew out hundred YouTubers, like two hundred and fifty supercars. And they're just like, go nuts. Just make, make cut for a tire launch. It was mad. We had like, um, police escorts around Joshua tree, like close down the whole of Joshua tree national park, ripping Ferraris through the desert. And these kids just show up with their cameras and stuff. It's like, how much more compelling is the stuff that they make than like, you know, doing another high production tire commercial that would go on like 60 seconds on local TV. It's a, like, if you get it right, it's just like a so much more effective way to spend your money on marketing. Well, Jack, and that was years ago now. That would go crazy, even crazier this well, time around. It's kind of what you said before, like the 50 seeds, you know, like the, right. the Minions movie. We, we saw the one that really popped off. But in the same way here, it took probably 200 people to make something for it to actually get any, get any uh, room for it to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and like there, I don't know, movies as well as like, so much more of a cultural thing that people like want to feel like a part of. And it's like a story that everybody's consumed together. Versus tires. Yeah. Trying to share <laughs> tire stuff, which is just like, but you get the same brief, right? It's like, we yeah. want to go viral and do the most. And there's like, there are ways to do that. Obviously um, one other amazing example that we didn't touch on is Red Bull for all of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, they're Red, the best. It's yeah. like, Hey, we got an energy drink. What are we going to do? We're going to like slap our name and logo on these, like really, really compelling extreme sports moments. Monster did, um, this was always in our pitch decks. Uh, you remember Ken Block, Jim Carner? Do you know that? Ken Block? Mm, no, oh, no. Oh man, you boys are in for a treat. But this, this, like this, this dude who like, they would shut down San Francisco and it's like this, this guy that can drift uh, cars through like the closed streets of cities. They had them in warehouses doing crazy. I think it was Monster Energy that sponsored that. But they got like, you know, where Red Bull kind of did the snowboarding, skateboarding, like extreme sports. They like were like, oh, we're going to go after that, but just in a different way. And they did motorsports. And now you see, you know, that played out pretty well for them. But um, it's interesting. It has to like, it has to almost be like 
ideologically aligned. And then if you just choose the right people and give them some money, it, the rest figures itself out. Let, let me, before, before we dig in more to this meal, how often do you guys get the, hey, uh, uh, corporate brand so-and-so, uh, what do you guys want? And they're like, we need this to go viral. Like that was the brief. How often did that happen, Bilal? I mean, mo any like brand meeting, <laughs> that was the, it wasn't like every week, but it's like you have a strategic, in air quotes, like meeting once a quarter with senior people. Go <laughs> so viral. But I will say Google did a pretty good job of like leaning into that. Eventually they started this thing called Brand Labs. I don't know, Jack, if you ever went to one of those, but they have a whole team that like they basically would fly out like the execs to Mountain View or San Bruno, sorry for this, for YouTube and um, in the West Coast. And they would kind of show them the mothership and like get them excited about all this stuff. And then it'll be like a one or two days w with the execs. And that's, you know, to get them to come for one hour meeting is a lot to come for a whole day is next level. So it's like yeah. they bring out all the stops they bring out all the product people and the the, the experts in the viral stuff and they come and get, they'll bring like creators. They'll be like, Hey, Mr. Beast, come and hang out. And maybe not Mr. Beast, but you know, maybe when he was coming up. And so that, that level of conversation would happen like every three to 12 months. If you're, now if you're doing Beast your job well. Now Mr. YouTube and Susan Wachowski down at exactly. his crib. Don't you come down exactly. to my pad. <laughs> um, or let me, let me jump into the, the, the Margaret's meal. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but, um, I mean, Bilal nailed it. So 20, so well, Jack missed this part, but I traveled to Europe and I'm like, uh, I'm bringing one pair of shoes and I, it has to be slip-ons. So I told my wife that. I'm like, it's summer, I only want shorts. So I don't have the attire for this proper meal. So I roll into Mag the Margarets, I'm pronouncing it wrong. So it's about 20 minutes outside of San Sebastian, which is incredible. San Sebastian is something else. Probably saying that wrong too. But I rolled in this restaurant. Everybody's dressed to the nines. I roll in wearing board shorts and flip-flops. And I'm just like, I'm such an asshat. And this is 8 p.m. But it's everything you said, right? It's 27 courses. Uh, it's all about presentation. Uh, but, but literally, this, this is my takeaway from it. So they'll come there and they'll like, have you guys eaten at a Michelin restaurant? Blah had an Indian restaurant, right? Yeah, and and I've done a few, yeah. But you've done I'm a few, Jack. Sure Jack you done a few Michelin restaurants? Uh, I actually have only done it at a Michelin event where they bring the okay. Michelin chefs to serve food. But same well, idea, yeah. So you walk into this it, restaurant. I did it in Mexico recently when oh, I was there you, a few months that's ago. Like, that's one the of the Puyo top, top one. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On that's the like chef table, table right? if you've seen it. So maybe yeah. I can give an example after, but go on. Yeah, well, well, let's discuss it. Is like, what's the first? The first thing I noticed is that there's way more servers than any of the restaurant, right? Like, yeah, that, like every single role, right? One like, to one. Like, why is one one person would literally come to the to the table, be holding the food, and another one has to come and give it to you? And I'm like, just give yeah. me the food. I'm ready. I'm ready to eat. Like, you don't need a second person. Totally who's a right. Specialist so like, and dropping it on the it's table. It's like one to one, basically, right? Like one guest gets one server, right? And uh, and then each meal. This is the, uh, I, I realized as they're feeling like they obviously want to hit every single one of your senses, right? Like, Blau, did you have this experience? It's like, yeah, that's the really amazing touch part. Yeah. The, they want, so typically when you eat, right? It's like nose and taste. Well, nose basically is taste. Like the olfactory is where most of the taste comes from. It's like your eyes, right? Obviously, everything looks nice. So your eyes are being brought into it. They really, they hit you with very specific smells. Like they're wafting stuff at you, right? So I'm sitting and they're not even feeding me. They're just wafting air at me. I'm like, bro, can I just get the food? Like, I'm, I don't need any more wafts. 
Um, but the one thing that really stood out, there's two things, is like um, every bowl or plate at this restaurant was heavy. It was like 10 pounds. It was like, you couldn't even, like, you had to lift it. And uh, I had the chance to talk to the chef after. And he's like, yeah, that's like, he told me straight up. He's like, I'll be honest with you, like, taste is not our number one concern. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that he's like, I'm like, it came through the food, bro. And uh, he's, <laughs> I mean, like, the whole point is that uh, you read these reviews and they're all talking about, we're trying to challenge our palate. I'm like, bro, I don't want my palate challenged. <laughs> I just want some good patata pravadas or whatever it's called, right? But um, that's the number one thing I noticed. It was like uh, all the senses get brought into it. A lot of the, they, they would like, the, 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 the servers would come and like crunch things in front of you. They have really crunchy items. Like I had this like bar of apple, a dried apple, and they specifically crunched it. So you just remember, I can, I can, rem I can hear the crunch right now. And then half and the so, meals. So trunk, can I just add one thing? Because what you, the way you're describing it to me, like the word that's standing out is like it's just an experience, right? Like yeah. that's kind of what you're like. It's not totally. the food is not what they're optimizing for. I'm sure they want really good food, but it's like the full sensory experience. Like, like I had 20 better meals in Spain, if I'm being honest with myself, right? Uh, I'm sure the ingredients they had were the best of the best, local, super fresh. But like it wasn't. I mean, they're trying to challenge you specifically. I mean, if you read reviews of this place, it's like. A lot of people are like you come out like oh cool you ate lamb intestine wasn't the best thing in the world right but uh two things feeling wise i remember was a weight so i will always remember the weight it's the heaviest weight i've ever felt and uh the utensils were always a different temperature so like it really so like i was joking my wife i'm like i roll out of uh she's like oh hot like a couple days later she's like how do you feel about the michelin restaurant it's like i'll be honest with you uh you know i feel a little bit pretentious because i can never go to a restaurant now with light plates and like room temperature utensils. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just changing yeah, the temperature for yeah. each meal. If a, so if a restaurant gives me a ridiculous. room temperature utensil, uh, no bueno. That's no longer acceptable. So that's my. Going Hollywood fun. Yeah, Hollywood I'm going fun over here. So below the Mexico one though is like that. I would say way it, higher. It's really beautiful. Well, I, I, it's probably similar. I mean, it's the most beautiful place, right? Like, the, and honestly, I'm the same. Like, I I like food a lot, but it's. Most of the time, I prefer like a home cooked meal. Like I want to find the local place where the grandma's in the back, like whipping up the the local <laughs> cuisine, right? But yeah, once in a while, you're gonna like go go for the experience, especially when you're traveling. I think that's a good time to do it. Totally. And I will say the Puyo one is, I'll say well priced in air quotes. I can't remember how much it was, but compared to a lot of these places, it's one of the more. It's it's still probably honestly like three four hundred dollars. I'm I'm not sure, but um, it. It's like you're paying for the experience. So you're like, oh, you got to go there. I watched the chef table show. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go in there. The one thing I will say, they cook this mole. Have you guys had mole? Like the This Mexican is Rene Redzepi, right? It's Rene Redzepi. Maybe. I don't remember, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I remember seeing the mole. It's a famous they, like, uh, the chocolate-based sauce. Like seven, they've been cooking it for seven years. It's literally still going. <laughs> so they keep adding stuff into it. So that that is kind of like interesting. You're like, okay, that's... I mean, I had better mole in Oaxaca straight after, but... <laughs> the place itself i'm like okay that's kind of a cool science experiment let me see what this what the fuss is about um i will say the best one though is i don't even know if this place was mission star but um in argentina when we were there there's a famous steak place and that guy he kind of treated us because i was trying to get um a reservation there but it was like booked up for two months and i randomly through creator lab i had interviewed a few like restaurant people Ooh. and i messaged them like hey i'm in argentina where should i go and they like introduced me to them and he thought i was proper press 
So he rolled out. You the thought red you were carpet. an inspector. You thought yeah, you were an inspector. <laughs> it literally, yeah. And so it's an even better service than probably the Michelin people get because the Michelin people they don't know who they yeah, are. Yeah, they don't know. Well, Whereas dude, me, what do you think we should do? Should we start journalist. messaging restaurants? Like, hey, uh, I uh, co-host of the Non Investment Advice Podcast. I mean, <laughs> it probably works, man. I mean, it definitely helps. So uh, anyway, um, well, let me tie a bow on this conversation with the critiques of Michelin. Because there are many. Critics. Well, there are so, very bro, many, right? I love, the way, bro, I love the way you say certain words, bro. The Peloton, Peloton and, the and critiques. critiques. Brilliant. Well, here are the criticisms of Michelin because it's actually become quite a bit of a thing. Uh, I'm not going to even pretend to pronounce these chefs' names. But um, uh, over the years, a number of chefs have given back their stars. So I want to establish something. Michelin says you can't give back the stars. It's like, they're not yours to give back. It's like, we are putting it in the guide. It's like, you guys don't understand this. We control it. You don't control it, Mr. Chef. Like, number one, the restaurant gets it, right? If a chef leaves a restaurant, he doesn't get to take the stars with him. So the restaurant gets the stars. So a lot of chefs are like, I don't want these stars because it increases the demand and all the, it changes everything, right? There are, so Rene Redzepi, which is, I think, the guy that does Puho and before he did Noma in Denmark. That's a super famous one. Um, he, this is what he said. He said the stars ruined his creativity as a chef because there's a couple reasons. This is fascinating. Then one of the number one criteria for uh, the Michelin assigning stars is um, they, they want consistency. Like if they have a really good fish on the menu, they want that fish the same every time for every person, right? Fair enough. That's a pretty fair thing. But what that does is it stops chefs from experimenting because they're not going to dick around anymore, right? Like, oh, that's if a this, good point, yeah. If this fish is working, we're not going to lose a star. Like, there's one French chef that actually killed himself, and people think it's because he lost a star. And, like, France is very specific about... Man, you know how French with their food, with, right? Uh, everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's but like, especially, especially food. the food. Like, these are... Uh, so, France, France gets made fun of for their laws around... Uh, the labor laws, 38 hours a week, right? That's the most people can work. But guess what? Restaurant industry gets a dispensation. You can work 45, 50 hours a week if you apply to a restaurant because of that culture. And let's be honest, you're not working 10 hours a day at these restaurants. You're working 17, 18 hours a day, right? Like hardcore Michelin-style restaurants are the ones that train you up. I mean, the restaurant industry is savage, man. You guys must know this, right? It's a super savage industry. And let me, let me actually just read through what the stars are supposed to represent. So... One star is a very good restaurant in air quotes. Two stars are excellent cooking that is worth a detour. And three stars are exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. These mean nothing. <laughs> Wait, this a is a special journey. Yeah. This sounds like the equivalent of yoga babble. I know. It's a yoga Galloway babble from said. Galloway, right? Yeah. So these are, these are the criticisms. It's like it, it ruins creativity because you're so, you're, it's the endowment effect. You have the stars. You don't want to lose them. It's also so, a certain type of cuisine, right? Like it's always the fanciest, it's like very European based. Like, like yeah. started European, it's got more uh, Jap uh, obviously because Japan, but Japan is just such a different beast, right? Japan's culture of perfection, they're gonna be the best at almost like they will produce the best at almost any craft because they're so crazy about it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, but to your point, geographically, it was very Eurocentric, obviously for many reasons to start off with. Uh, the stress that it adds, the restaurants is like. The system is so, you don't know when the inspectors come. You don't know when Bilal Zaidi showing up at your restaurant about to inspect your food. But that creates so much stress, right? Is like, there's a test that you, you have these stars. You might lose it. You never know when it's happening. You cannot mess up at any meal. It could be anyone. 
that level of stress is like extremely unhealthy. That's why, like, again, one French chef, many people believe he killed himself. He lost a star. This is the level of stress that they put on you. Um, they say they don't take money for it's very object independent. That I believe them. Uh, I believe that they have to maintain that, but people are criticizing that and saying, eh, we're seeing the way these stars are signed. And we're it's like FIFA World Cup, mate. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> what, cut, the next Qatar. one's coming to why? Qatar, yeah. Bro, why are we in Qatar? Can somebody tell me why are we in Qatar? We're going to have to do a whole episode on that. That's <laughs> yeah, the, by the exactly. red pill segment. I need to do a uh, fact check here on a Trung stat from earlier on. Okay. Oh, here we go. I'm, I was just looking up the distribution of stars. So there's 2,300 one-star Michelin restaurants, 400, two, and 113 ones. Uh, sorry, I got that the wrong way around. 2,300 one-star, 400, two-star, 113, three-star. But this is saying, Trung, there's 600 Michelin star restaurants in France, which is the... Oh, right. got it. Wait, sorry, I meant three-star specifically. Is that true? Because that might not be Could true. Could be true. Could be true. Um, Caveat. Love it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I was where, just not okay, listening. So two, wait, yeah, fair enough. wait, General Jack's got me though. Well, Jack brought up a different fact. It's like, where are the most restaurants versus where are the most three stars? But very yeah. fair. Uh, no, no, fair. I just, uh, you know, we got to fact check it for the audience. Okay, yeah, we, we have to. Fake so news listen- on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, sure. Bilal, I know, I know your time's running short here. So look, look super quickly was uh, the high stress, uh, not super representative food. And I think the, the main one I think is the creativity is super interesting, right? It like changes how you serve food. You care yeah. more about the appearance versus the actual food itself. And the experiment, yeah. it kind of goes away. Yeah. And I think it's also, like you said, it attracts a certain type of person, which for a lot of restaurants is who they want to serve to, right? Like they, people who are willing to spend a lot of money and appreciate all the details on the flip side, it's like, you might just want to be a nice local restaurant that doesn't have tourists flying in for it. You That's know? literally so what I they're saying. Some guys are like, I well. wanted to serve fried chicken and Michelin doesn't like fried chicken. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to do That's annoying. That's yeah. An- yeah. You're, they're artists, man. Like they like anyone else. They just want to create the things they want to create. They don't want to have to make the pop single version of the fried chicken. They want to do like crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, really interesting. I think I'm also curious to hear if anyone has any examples. Yeah, let's get some Michelin Guinness. stories. Well, well, the Michelin, I was saying like the Guinness Book of World Records thing we said. And um michelin like what are companies who have created stuff that is like now we think of that company for that new thing because i know there's probably like another five or ten that i've forgotten yeah let's get some uh, good but ones. curious if anyone's got any of those those but, are good um, man they're all thread material trunk too yeah you know, you've done a few of those Series you are right japan is leading this? by japan leads by a uh a, a margin on the three jamie so butcher nothing. over here yeah he's oh. been- <laughs> On the I, love it. You're I want to make it. sure I'm 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 coming in <laughs> correct to myself before the yeah, end. No, Double butcher, check. butcher hitting me up with that CNN fat check on dump <laughs> the, 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 the the Chiron. All right, uh, guys, I blow. I know you got a boogie, but let me do let me do one last segment on Spain. Let's talk about Gaudi, the world famous architect. Mm. Because did you, have you guys seen the Sagrada Familia? Uh, in Is Barcelona? that the big uh, cathedral thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jack, I've been to that. Yeah. You we both been Beautiful. to it. I yeah. have to say, I think it's the most impressive structure I've ever seen in my life. And really? I want to talk wow. about God. I just I just can't I mean we're we can we there's gonna be many that are up there. It's like Allah, what's couldn't. your most impressive structure you've seen? Let's yeah, off top of your head, bro. <laughs> That's a good I I know I'd have no, to think, think about it. Well, that here one. it is, right? Let's put it up for the viewers. Mm, uh yeah. if you haven't been to Sagrada, it's just it's obscene. 
the, the amount of detail in this thing on the outside, the, uh, I, I just kind of want, and the inside is insane, right? It's like, uh, these are meant to represent tree trunks. Um, I don't remember gonna, those I mean, lights. Yeah, dude, the, the window panes. So uh, let me, let me oh, actually yeah. talk, Crazy. let me talk about a couple of things about this. Cause I think this, this goes back to a couple of our AMA episodes. So Gaudi, uh, world famous architect, uh, from Spain, born in 1850, started the Sagrada, Sagrada Familia. That's my 10th mispronounced Spanish word today, but, uh, it means the Holy family. And, uh, the, the church was supposed to, you know, represent, uh, Spain was a Catholic, historically Catholic country, but as modernism took over in the late 1800s, it was supposed to, you know, uh, re-anchor the country to their religious past. But I'll tell you what's interesting about this. And uh, it made, this is the point that really made me think out. So Gaudi has number, I think 80 structures he did in his life and he, his works dotted all over Barcelona. Like obviously you guys been there. If you're going to Barcelona, you're going to see Gaudi all day, all night. And, um, but what, what's fascinating about him was he spent the last 43 years of his life working on Sagrada Familia, never finished it. And, uh, two points I want to say about that. The first point, and I'll throw it to you guys, was we're talking about, this is the point I, uh, I was thinking about, and this ties back to TikTok earlier today. How difficult is it to spend 43 years of your life on something, never seeing it finished, right? Is like, I think the TikTokification and even the stuff I'm doing, like just on Twitter, anything social media related, is like the feedback cycles, like I'm, I'm not writing a once a week email and that burns me out. It's like, could you imagine... <laughs> I'm talking about. It's like this guy's Boy, life yes. work, yeah. dude. This dude, he was hit by a tram when he died, and they found him. They didn't even know it was Gaudi because he was such a like uh, obsessive itinerant working on this project. They found his underwear. You know what it was? It was a piece of cloth held together by four like pins. Like this. Guy, <laughs> this guy, like, My man Trung has been reading some Wikipedia. No, but I mean, like, bro. I incredible. just couldn't believe. I I was like. Dude, I was brought to like, I got so emotional looking at this thing, knowing what this guy did. Never well, seeing it through. finished. Yeah. It's still, it's still not done. It's still not done. They're still working on it. They think it's going to be done by 2030, broadly to his like, specifications, because he left behind some models and his plans, but like, no one actually knows what he wanted in the end. And uh, 43 years of his life, his life's work, never got to see it finished. And I was actually thinking, he's like, who is going to do that today? What artist is going to come up into this social media uh, 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 society that we have where the gratification is instant? You go viral instantly. Billions of people love you instantly. And then they forget about you next week. Sagrada Familia is going to be there forever. It's going to be there for hundreds of years. Oh, well, maybe not. You never know. Terrorism is crazy. Barcelona's been hit up. It has been. been last night. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's, like, it's been targeted many times, right? <laughs> But Sagrada Familia has been targeted because of what it represents. But I'm just saying, it's like these structures last forever, right? Ostensibly, they last forever. They're meant to be last forever. They're forever in the mind. Well, I'm throwing it to you guys. It's like, there's a sadness in me when I was thinking about this because I don't think this is going to happen anymore. I just don't think it's going to happen anymore. Like, I would like to. So, not possible, like physically, like money wise and like labor wise. Like the other one you asked me, the question for me, the only one that probably comes close, and it's not as impressive in terms of. Um, how intricate and beautiful it is necessarily, but just the sheer volume of workload right. that was needed to make the pyramids. 
probably oh, yeah, yeah, aliens yeah. as well, you know, since we're done. No, no, but I mean, there's a whole, you know, I'm obviously joking, but like, I don't know how they made that thing, man. I don't know if you guys have seen the pyramids live, but you look I up haven't. and you're like, how the hell did right, someone that's make this? Probably, when I say most impressive the machinery. structure, I was like, I'm talking specifically about the detail. But to your oh, point, yeah, different, then different this is definitely of, up there. It's very beautiful. Like, obviously, there's a great wall. You, you go on, there's many other structures that are super impressive. But it's like, I just walked away from this. I'm like, I cannot believe... Like this came out of somebody's head. No, that's, and like that's he true. Spent forty three years. I don't. I literally just think it's like, who's going to do this now? Well, there's so many elements like you guys said, right? It's like, like regulation wise, all these uh, voices that wouldn't want these things to happen. Um, well, who's the church paid, paid for it, for it, right? The church. The, the well, it's actually a rich. It was actually a rich individual, uh, a patron. That but, paid but, for but, it. but you know, a yeah, a, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, uh, and that and was today, the cause. And there's like the economic calculation, like Bilal is saying, is like, oh, let's build this $2 billion building totally. to represent an idea that we all believe in. Is like, you could, you could it's like, it's not going to make it past the first meeting. Totally. How are we going to get it viral, guys? You'd rather spend the $2 billion yeah. on, on influencers to right. talk about totally. how good your country is on TikTok. Well, so, think about uh, yeah. it. People are getting mad at uh, Elon for spending billions to go to space, right? Think about throwing about Imagine random a country yeah. <laughs> doing that, and then everyone's like, "What about that war that you started?" And what about you know? It's not. It anyway, you're right. It's like that's the country what I mean, will get though. canceled. What is going to get remembered? Like th- th- this. So this thing is. Uh, my last note on it was I, as I'm walking out, exiting the Sagrada, I saw a uh, a, a donation thing, but it was taking Apple Pay. <laughs> I was just laughing, right? But this thing makes thirty million euros a year just from tickets. So that's wow. all going back into it. Yeah, so we're yeah. talking like this multi-billion structure and this individual with the story. That's the other part of it. Is like, here's my very last thought. You know, you've seen all this Dolly AI art. This is the difference. The story is not there with this stuff. It can look visually appealing, but you're not going to get the story of the guy that spent 43 years of his life. And then when he died, hit by a tram, they found his underwear with four like pins holding it together, right? But that story's not going to be there. And that is what, the value is and that's why this when you look into ai art and you're like oh it's gonna replace all this like that story will never be created and that's what matters yeah leave it on a deep note there trunk sorry nice. guys love that love, oh, that's no, no, love that that's class we gotta go more into that stuff uh the, trunk the general. only thing i was gonna say is the only thing that compares to it is like the natural this sounds very you know like woo woo but like the natural things you see like obviously mountains and whatever but oh, like yeah, the certain things you see where you're like oh my god like it's all, How, I can't believe this you can't cool. replace that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I agree. All this old stuff, especially in Europe, man, there's so many, I mean, Asia has a lot as well. Asia the too, US yeah, is totally. a bit of a younger civilization in terms of like this current well, that's form. That's the thing, anyway. right? It's much younger. It doesn't, like, you go it doesn't to have Asia. as much history uh, in, in this current form. Obviously there is history from way before, but even like walking around London, man, like, like oh, honestly, yeah. I just love like St. Paul's Cathedral. I sent you guys that picture with my parents there. It's like just, you're just casually walking around. It's got these beautiful structures in there. Um, anyway, I know we're, we're running out of time. So the C5, D5 stuff, we can talk about another week. Um, anything else, boys, before we cut off? No, dude, that's, uh, that's perfect. Um, awesome, I, 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 that, that got a little bit deep, but I appreciate that. I had, that to, I had to give my Spain spiel. I was just like, I was just blown away when I saw that thing. Yeah, man. Beautiful. Glad you guys had a good time. And good to have you back, mate. And uh, yeah, I know for people listening, made it all the way here. Thanks for being here as always. I know we have been, uh, three of us have been like coming in and out the last few weeks because we've been all on the road. 
but we're still trying our best to and bring you the got best stuff every week. Insane episode for you next week. Yeah, just we do. I don't know how much. Geez. I don't know keep how much ears. we can. No, uh, let's uh, just just know. Be just ready. know, okay, just know. We don't want to preview too much, but if you made it here, make sure you are listening next week because you will if not you... want to miss that. Yeah, if you are a long-term NIA listener, this is going to be an event. Let's there just we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on that beautiful note, we'll uh, see you guys next week for a very special episode. And uh, yeah, thanks for your help spreading word as always. And see you next week. Bye.